You know how to book flights and hotels. All you're missing is a tool to help you plan that unbelievable travel experience. That's why you need Viator. Book guided tours, excursions, and more in one place. There are over 300,000 travel experiences to choose from, so you can find something for everyone. And Viator offers free cancellation and 24-7 customer support for worry-free travel. Download the Viator app now and use code Viator10 for 10% off your first booking in the app. Find travel experiences for you. Do more with Viator. All right, Lions fans, welcome to our brand new Pride of Detroit show. We're calling it Man Coverage. Uh, Basically, what we're going to do on this show every week, we're going to bring in somebody, whether it be from Detroit media or national media, we're going to profile them a little bit, uh, get to know uh, the people who are covering the Lions and uh, covering the NFL, and and, uh, and we're going to just get some knowledge on all these folks uh, here in Detroit. And uh, then we'll talk a little bit about the Lions, and then I've got a special questionnaire that I have devised myself. It's like the Proust questionnaire. I can't wait to go through it. It's going to be a lot of fun. Our first guest, I'm super, super excited about this guy. We've got Fox 2 Zone and, of course, the voice of the Detroit Lions, Mr. Dan Miller. Thank you for being on today, sir. Mike, it's my pleasure. Good luck to you and good luck with this venture here. Yeah, we're hoping we're hoping that we don't screw it up completely. But <laughs> so, all right. Um, so we're just going to go ahead and jump right in. Uh, I just want to start off. We're going to start off at the beginning. So, Dan, I went through your Wikipedia page. I don't know how accurate that thing is. Is it pretty straight on or? Uh, there's some things in there that are a little bit off kilter. I, who writes that stuff? That's my question is, you know, who takes the time to go write that stuff and pick stuff out about your background? There's some things that are a little bit off in terms of timing and, and, uh, no, it's, it's not hundred percent accurate. Okay. Is it accurate that you were born in Washington, DC? It is. Yes. I was born All in, right. in Sibley Hospital in Washington, D.C., and grew up in what they call the DMV district in Virginia and Maryland in there. So, um, yeah, uh, born there, raised there and, until I came to Detroit, really. So you were a Washington football team fan uh, growing up then, I would take it? I was, yeah. We had season tickets to uh, the Washington football team. That'll take a while to get used to. Um we had season tickets, so uh, we would go to games and a um, lot of great memories of going with my dad. Then uh, great memories of going with friends to the games and playoff games and, you know, those teams in the 80s and uh, good teams in the 70s as well. Um, so, yeah, big time fan when I was growing up. Well, who, who's, uh, who's the quarterback at that time? Well, we went through a bunch of them. I mean, my first favorite was Sonny Jurgensen. When you when you were in the early seventies, you were either a Sonny Jurgensen guy or a Billy Kilmer guy. I was a Sonny guy. Um, you know, didn't dislike Billy Kilmer, but they used to have, uh, you know, bumper stickers where you would profess which guy was your guy. And my guy was always Sonny. Um, and then it went from there to Joe Theismann, uh, Theismann to Schrader to Doug Williams to Mark Rippon. And that was kind of the end of my run there. But, um, you know, and the, the amazing thing about Joe Gibbs is he, you know, he won Super Bowls with with three different quarterbacks. And, um, you know, George Allen kind of brought winning football back to Washington um, in the early 70s and and did it with Kilmer and Jurgensen. And, um, you know, the interesting thing about that is that the one year that Lombardi was there, um, if you talk to Sonny about that year, uh, it, it's amazing to listen to the stories of the reverence that he had for Vince Lombardi and, and how much he felt like Lombardi would have done in Washington. Some of the things that he did in green Bay, because he said the guy was just a winner, but, but tragically after one year he got sick and passed away. Yeah, that that's, that is not good. Um, wh- when did you, uh, so when did you kind of realize that sports casting was something that you wanted to get into? Was it those early days with the the Washington team or, Oh yeah. I mean, I, uh, from the time I was probably eight years old and just fell in love with sports and, um, you know, I, I lived in a great neighborhood 
where I had a ton of friends and all we did all, you know, as soon as we could get outside in the morning, we were gone. And if it was football season, basketball season, baseball season, whatever it was, we were out playing. And um, that just kind of fostered my following professional sports and used to watch the guys on TV and, and watch what they did. And I would copy what they did. And um, so I, I really knew from an early age that, I, I wanted to do something. I didn't know if it was to be a writer because I, I, I consumed both newspapers, the Washington Post and the Washington Times every day, uh, um, the sports page, and uh, or if it was one of the guys on TV. But I just knew there was something there that I wanted to do. I wanted to cover sports. Did you have any early influences in, in terms of uh, sportscasters or um, even writers uh, that, that sort of – guided you in the direction of being, you know, the man that you are today in terms of oh, I, call a, games. a million. Yeah. I mean, a million of them, but uh, I mean, so I, I've been blessed that so many people have, you know, reached out and helped me in my career, taken an interest in me, um, you know, kept me going when times are tough and, and, you know, gigs aren't coming and you're not getting jobs and you're getting turned down everywhere. But the first one was, was Warner Wolf, who was, uh, big time guy in Washington, DC, and then went to New York and then came back to Washington, DC. But he was really the the first guy that I would watch on TV. And, um, you know, he had a, a Redskins show or a Washington football team show on Monday night um, that he would host. And it was just must see TV. I mean, everybody watched it. It was in the times where, you know, you didn't have Twitter and, and, and the internet, you know, you consumed your information from a much smaller and much more narrow place. And, and that Monday night show and all his sports casts, you know, I was locked in front of the TV to watch. And, and he was the first one that I probably just, you know, watched and said that I want to do what he's doing. Um, Cause he was just, you know, he was great at what he did and, you know, just kind of had it and kind of had that charisma. And, and uh, it was, uh, so he was really the first guy that I think, got me fired up about doing something like that. So I see that you also, um, and again, going off the Wikipedia page, you, you, uh, you wound up covering the, the Washington team there for a few years. Mm-hmm. Uh, did you, I, did you call games for them or? I didn't call games for them. I did. Uh, I did pre and post game. Um, they didn't really have sideline reporters for radio back then. Um, that's a more recent thing. And I, uh, I would be down on the sideline before the game and then I would watch the game and then I would do the post game show from a bar. Um, so I worked for the flagship station of, um, the Washington football team when I got into local sports radio in Washington, DC in 1992. And, um, then I was the beat reporter as well for a while where you're in essence out at Redskin Park. I guess it's Washington football team park now every day, um, just covering the team, providing reports and, and turning out content for your game on Sunday and, and things like that. So I did end up covering the team for uh, uh, diff- different roles for the five years that I worked for that radio station. I see. So that that led to you eventually working for Fox then for calling some regional games. Yeah, a little. That's where I think the Wikipedia page gets things a little bit out of order. <laughs> okay. I, uh, no, no, no. I um, so I, when I got out of college, I tried to get a job in TV and I couldn't get one. I tried everywhere, you know, you could go for a small market and applied and I couldn't get hired. And so I kind of stuck with radio, which I was already in. And when I, I left, I was at Mutual Radio slash NBC slash Westwood One. And I left there to go do an overnight talk show at the sports radio station. That led me to a different role, which was the Redskins beat reporter. As the Redskins beat reporter, I started meeting a lot of people. And they started asking me to come on their shows on TV as like a roundtable guest. and. That led to me getting a call from the Fox affiliate in Washington uh, saying, we have an opening on our pregame show and we'd like you to do it. It was actually after they had fired somebody after week one. So it was like right before week two of the season. 
So it was it was kind of a bang bang thing that just happened out of the blue. And the next thing I knew, I was standing on the in Philadelphia the next week doing a doing a pregame show. And it was so that kind of got me into TV. Uh, that led to my doing backup anchoring at the Fox station. That led to my working at the ABC station in Washington. That led to me getting noticed in Detroit. Um, and then later down the line, um, when I was in Detroit, I got a call from Fox asking if I wanted to go to NFL Europe. I went to NFL Europe. I got back from NFL Europe. You go over there for two weeks, you do two games. And I got a letter from, uh, email from uh, the folks at Fox that said, hey, we think you did a good job. We'd love to give you some NFL work. And I'm like, great. And that started five years of uh, doing NFL on Fox games. So, um, yeah, it's just kind of a right place, right time. One thing kind of led to another. And and um, it's just it's a crazy business like that. It's like you beat your head against the wall trying to get a job. Can't get one anywhere. And then things just kind of started happening for me. And I was, I was really blessed in that regard, but um, you know, really a lot of, a lot of fortuitous timing. And like I said, being in the right place at the right time. Yeah. I can certainly uh, attest to, to, to everything that you're saying there being in this, in this business, it is, it's pretty hard sometimes. Um, do you have uh any anything stand out and when calling from the uh, calling those games that you were uh, uh, for NFL on Fox? I mean, any any big games that you might have called or any moments that you can remember? Yeah, no, I um, we had when when baseball would come and Joe Buck and Kenny Albert would go do baseball, I would get moved up to you know uh, I was they have six set teams I was the seven guy so when they had seven games I would do it. When Joe Buck or Kenny Albert had to go do baseball, I would move into one of their slots and you'd go up and you'd work with Brian Baldinger or one of those guys that were on one of the the higher ranking teams. So, um, you know, probably the highlight was a, a Green Bay Rams game that I did that was the the, the number one Fox game that week um, in terms of viewership. And that was that was a real nice, you know show of faith in me by them to allow me to do that game. I believe that was also the game where Isaac Bruce, I want to say went over 10,000 yards for his career, but um, it was, uh, you know, that, that certainly stands out just to what, what really stands out about that experience for me was just the great people I worked with the incredible um, learning experience that it was that I got to work with these people who did this for a living. And I was kind of cutting my teeth at the time and just to to sit back and and try to keep your mouth shut and just you know really take in everything that they're doing and the preparation uh, all those different things it was um it, it was a phenomenal experience it really was and and um you know from being in Europe I did that twice where it's kind of a a, a skeleton crew and then doing games for Fox where it's much more elaborate and um, just, I, I think I got to work with so many different people uh, because being that seven guy where you didn't have a set team, anybody knew that came in, they would put with me from, you know, Bill Romanowski to Dave Wanstatt to, to Cliff Stout to anybody who was coming in to try this. That was kind of my guy that would get thrown to me. And I think my spotter and I counted it up one time. It was over 20 guys that I had done games with. And, you know, Mark Carrier and and JC Pearson and, you know, I got a list somewhere, but it's 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 a long list, which which was cool because it 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 allowed me to meet a lot of people and it also it 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 forced me to adapt to whatever they were doing. It really forced me to always be in tune to what they're presenting to the broadcast because the one thing that Fox would always tell you was it's the color guys broadcast. It's the analyst broadcast. And as a play-by-play guy, it is your job to set him up and it is your job to make sure that he looks good. So I've always kind of approached it that way after learning about that with them. So, um, you know, some guys were one game in and gone. Some guys were three games in and gone. Some guys 
stayed for for multiple games, but it was uh, it was it was an interesting experience. I, I I owe a lot of you know whatever I do now in the NFL to what I learned from all those people at Fox doing those games. Well, I want to uh, get into how you got to Detroit, but first we got to take a quick commercial break, uh, pay some bills. Hey, this is Scott Galloway, author, professor, entrepreneur, and most importantly, host of the Prop G podcast. We got a special series running on right now called The Future of Work, where I answer all your questions on, surprise, The Future of Work. Questions including, what are we missing when we work remotely? Or how do we handle work-life balance when a major opportunity comes knocking? From the provocative to the technical, we're offering insights you won't want to miss. So tune in to The Future of Work, a PropGPod special sponsored by Canva. You can find it on the PropGPod wherever you get your podcasts. With threats to our nation waiting around every corner, adaptability is more important than ever. When conditions change without notice, quick strategic thinking is crucial. And with obstacles consistently impending, determination is essential in overcoming them. It's this willingness, decisiveness, and resilience that sets Marines apart. With our fighting spirit, we don't just fight battles, we win them. Marines are the constant our nation counts on to fight the unknown. And through adaptable problem solving, we do just that. Learn more at Marines.com. Welcome back. Uh, Dan, how are you? uh, How did you get to Detroit? So I, I was working in D.C. doing weekends at, at the ABC affiliate there. And I think like anybody in this business, you want to get a number one job where you're working Monday through Friday or you're working Sunday through Thursday. And I um, so I was working the ABC station on the weekends and I was doing talk radio during the week. And out of the blue, in August of that year, my agent called me up and said, um, there's a news director in Detroit that likes your tape. And it, kind of, it really was a surprise because we hadn't applied for anything, but they had back in the day uh, before the internet was huge with all this stuff, they had clearing houses where a news director would go and he'd say, uh, I want a sports guy or I want a weather guy or I want a, a main anchor. And there would just be a computer set up and you could just hit a button and go tape to tape to tape to tape to tape. So somehow my tape was on there. Um so I, I remember clearly, I, I, we had been through a lot of close calls. We had been through some, some jobs we thought we might get. Uh, we had an offer from ESPN in April of that year, which we, we looked long and hard at, didn't take. Um, so there was a lot of maybes and, and you know things like that. But I walked downstairs after I got that call from my agent, and I, and I said to my wife, I said, there's a news director in Detroit that likes our tape. And she goes, okay. And I said to her, I said, you know, this is it, right? She said, I know. And I just, just something told me that after everything that, that we had been through all the different stops and starts and, and this and that, um, that this was going to be it. I don't know what it was, but something just told me this was going to work out. And three months later I was in Detroit. Yeah, we're, we're super happy to have you, Dan. Because uh, and I not not to fanboy out too much, but you know you you are you're the voice of of our team and have been for quite some time now. And it's to you're just so uh, deeply rooted in into our our minds when it comes to thinking about this team. And I kind of want to get into that a little bit because I have some some favorite moments, some favorite mm. calls that that you have, and uh, and and I'm curious, do you have any favorite moments? Uh, that you've called or favorite uh, just, yeah, just favorite moments. Yeah. I think there's, you know, we're all waiting for the, the biggest of favorite moments that haven't come yet. But I I think, you know, you look back on, there's moments that stand out beating San Diego and getting to the playoffs. Um, Jim Schwartz sending the team back out on the field. That was pretty incredible. I thought that was an amazing understanding of the moment from him. And, and, you know, he said that day, there'll come a time where we won't celebrate making the playoffs, but this isn't it. And that was really cool. Um, 
you know, just spitballing here, beating Denver to get to six and two before everything fell apart. And Sean Rogers takes it back to the end zone. Um, the game at Minnesota with Golden Tate, the field goal to get you to overtime and then Golden Tate scoring the touchdown. Um, that's certainly one being down. One of them that I talk about a lot that, that most people don't talk about is being down 27 to three to Dallas in Dallas and winning that game. That, that still was one of the most stunning things. The Dallas game, you know, in Detroit with, with Calvin and, and Matthew taking it over. Um, uh, on the negative side, Aaron Rodgers, the Hail Mary is, is probably the most stunning thing that I've, I've yeah. seen um, was just insane. Um, but um, yeah, those, those, there's probably others, those stick out to me right now, you know, calling playoff games has, has been great, but you know, everybody wants to finish and, and win one of those. That's when those become really special. Yeah, I couldn't agree more. Um, I was at that San Diego Chargers game. I was there at a fan capacity. I remember that moment when they all came back out and they they gave us all high fives. And it was yeah. just, it was a beautiful moment. It was definitely a beautiful moment. But for my money, you calling Stafford sneaking into the end, end zone. Uh, I, had, I don't think I've ever heard uh, an announcer be as excited as you were in that moment. <laughs> It was like you were ha- as happy as we were to see well, that was, moment happen. Well, it was so stunning because it, it felt like they were in trouble. And then bang, bang, you know, the pass to Durham was was one of the greatest passes, if not the best Matthews ever thrown. Um, the throw to Calvin where you thought maybe he was in. And then you're thinking, oh, you got to clock this thing and and stop the clock. And then he took it in and, and you're trying to just keep up with it at that point. And because that's one thing you have to be careful of is, don't assume don't don't assume when you're doing play by play of what's going to happen and in that moment you know you're so sure he's just going to clock it and then he took it over and it's like oh my gosh this is unbelievable and yeah i mean that was that was pretty incredible and and you know beating dallas is never a bad thing and to beat them in 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 that way was you know just uh such a a moment where where the unexpected turned into something amazing. And that was cool. Yeah, that, I mean, that was also another game that I was at. I, I seem to get lucky every time I go to the games as a fan. I don't, I don't get so lucky when I work the games. <laughs> but yeah, that, that was the only time my wife ever cried at a sporting event. <laughs> uh, it was, it was, it was worthy of that. No doubt about it. So it was, uh, it, again, I think when you get the sudden turnarounds like that, you know, Dallas takes the lead and then you get the ball back and there's not a lot of time and, and you just see these things unfolding. It's pretty cool. Yeah, definitely one of the best moments ever to be a Lions fan. But, uh, well, I think we should talk about the current Detroit Lions. And uh, right off the bat, we got some big news. We're recording this on Sunday. We got some big news this morning. Adrian Peterson is now a Detroit Lion. What do you think about that? Well, I think the connection was there, and I think that that was understood. I don't know if I thought this was going to happen. I'm, I'm surprised by it. Um, but I think the one – there's a couple things. One, we don't know what these injury situations are right now with, with Swift and, and Scarborough and, and whatever roster move they end up making. Um, Perrion Johnson has been hurt for two years. They've got to – you know, that – that's why they did what they did to get DeAndre Swift. So it's, I think they're just trying to make sure they're protected. Uh, he knows Bevel. Bevel knows him. He's a hard downhill runner. You know, I don't, he's clearly not what he used to be, but is he a guy that you can put in there on third down and one and point it forward and say, just go get it? Is he a guy that can be your goal line guy? Is he healthy right now, which appears some of your other backs aren't? Um, so, you know, in, in those respects, it makes sense. Um, but I think there's unanswered questions to fully, you know, let us understand the story of, you know, why they're doing this, what, what their vision for him is, but I don't believe he's coming here to just sit on the bench. I believe he's going to come here and and probably, you know, have a role on this team. I don't, I don't think he'd want to come here and just sit. I think there'll be, um, you know. We we kind of saw what a hard-nosed downhill runner looked like last year with Scarborough, and I kind of liked the way that looked, and it had been something that had been missing with this team for a while. This is a guy 
that can't do some of the things that he used to do, but he can do that. So, um, you know, I'm, I'm interested to see what Daryl Bevel does, does with it. I'm excited about this offense, but I also have some some concerns about the injuries that slowed guys down during camp. Um, you know, you go back to last year and you think about snacks, you think about flowers, and, you know, those guys missed time during camp. Um, Daniels missed time during camp. Three defensive linemen you were really counting on. Flowers took a couple weeks to get going, and then he did. Daniels and 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 Snacks never got going. And I put a lot of that back on the fact that they missed all that time during camp. So Swift has missed a lot of time. Um, Scarborough's missed a lot of time. So are they ready to go? Are they full tilt against the Bears? I think those are, are questions where the answers might have something to do with this move. Yeah, it seems like, um, you know, Matt Patricia and Bob Quinn are, are here and they're clearly trying to build something. Um, Obviously, you know, you, 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 you see D, uh, Quandre Diggs go, you see Darius Slay go, you see a couple other players go, and some, some guys coming in that have some history with Patricia. It's clear they're trying to build something in their image, but injuries continue to mount up against them. And it, it just, it just, do you think they're snake bitten? Do you think that Matt Patricia is just snake bitten uh, or, or, or is things going to turn around this year? Well, I mean, losing Matthew Stafford is not going to help anybody. I mean, that, that in essence, ended the season last year when you lost your starting quarterback. Um, no, I don't believe in snake pit. I think teams have injuries around the league, and I think the Lions have, have had some injuries. Look, losing Stafford is a showstopper. That's, that's so over and above anything else. Um, I haven't followed a ton of teams this preseason to see what their, you know, injury situations have been. These guys didn't have their normal offseason. That was a huge concern for coaches going in that this was going to be a problem, soft tissue injuries, things like that, that these guys were were not where they normally are physically. So I, I think you got to get two weeks into the season, three weeks into the season, maybe more to find out, okay, what was the impact of not having on the field work during the off season? And, and what was the impact of these guys having to work out on their own um, for the off season? And I think that's, what's kind of put them in this position now. No, I don't, I don't believe he's snake bit. I think, you know, injuries are a part of the game. Again, Stafford is off by himself. That's, that's not snake bit. That's just your season's over. Um, but you, you you got a team this year. You're building it. Go win this year. Um, I don't. I don't. You know. We'll, we'll see. I, I don't. But I don't put the first two years on being snake bit. I put it on. You know the team. Certainly, I thought underperformed in 2018, and then 2019 again. You lost your starting quarterback, and your defense didn't play well. Yeah, no, I, I I totally agree with what with what you're saying, and uh, it, I think it's hard to to really put a, a lot of this on the coaching staff, and that's one of the reasons why I I think that well that and plus the you know the uh, COVID nineteen pandemic, I think that is going to contribute to Patricia and Quinn keeping their jobs this year, regardless of of what winds up happening. I I mean, even if they go nine and seven and miss the playoffs, I. I don't. I don't foresee that uh, that whole make it or break it year thing um, coming true. Is that where do you stand uh, on that? I don't know. We'll have to wait and see. If I were them, I wouldn't want to come in at four and twelve. Um, right. You know, I just I don't think. I think Sheila Ford Hamp was a part of that decision to put that out last year in December. This isn't something that Mrs. Ford did. And now Sheila just kind of inherited. She was part of that. I don't believe that she's going to look at this team if they don't perform well this year and say no big deal. Now, does that mean that she gets rid of them? I don't know the answer to that, but I don't think there's a free pass involved in this year. I really don't. I think they would be best served by winning. Um, I don't. I don't believe, you know, four and twelve, five and eleven, something like that. And I'm not predicting that, but I don't. Uh, I, I, to your point. I don't think you can go four and 12, five and 11, maybe six and 10, whatever, not being relevant in December and then just say it was COVID. Look, everybody's going out there and playing this year. Somebody's going to win. 
Somebody's going to win in September, October, November, December. They're going to get to January and win. And somebody, if God willing, this season goes all the way through, they're going to win a game in February and get rings. And those rings aren't going to mean any less than the rings that were that were given out, you know, 50 some odd times before this. So I, I, don't, I don't buy, you know, this season's different or it's going to be a wash or free pass or anything that like that for COVID. Everybody's in the same boat. And they're going to line up on Sunday and they're going to play. So go win. That's your job. That, the object of the exercise hasn't changed. And it's not different for anybody in this league, um, just in terms of the overall scope of things and dealing with the pandemic. It's This is football. That's your job. And, and it's, it's time to go win. And that's what everybody's going to be trying to do. And why not you? Why not you? Yeah, I, that's, yeah, you couldn't have said it any better. I totally agree with, with you. And uh, speaking of sort of uh, predictions wise now, I, uh, the Pride of Detroit predictions are going to come out soon. And I think a lot of people are going to think I'm insane for the uh, overly favorable record that I'm giving the Lions. What, um, what do you think the Lions are going to do this year? What do you, are you, you don't have to go with a record or anything like that, but do you think that this is a team that could win the North? I think if you look at the North right now, I think Minnesota and Green Bay are the two teams that you have to look at and say they're the favorites. I think Chicago and Detroit are absolutely capable of being there in contention in December. But I think they have more questions to answer than Minnesota or Green Bay right now. So I think that going in, look, I think offensively the Lions are going to be very good. I think there's no reason that they shouldn't be, given health and the current state of the roster. I think defensively, there are questions. I think defensively, we need to see them be better than they were last year. We need to see them pressure the passer. passer. We need to see them force the, the other team to make mistakes, get stops, tilt the scoreboard, get ahead, do the things you have, that good teams do. So um, make plays in the fourth quarter. You know, So those are the questions they have to answer. But there's no reason in my mind that this team playing to its ability can't be there in December playing meaningful games and contending in this this division. But, you know, there, there's questions to be answered. This isn't, you know, a, a sure thing. Yeah, I'm certainly hoping for uh, for some games in January, uh, <laughs> to be honest. And, and, I, and I, I think that this offense is going to be special. Um, but again, I do have a lot of questions about the defense, as, do you, as you do. Uh, but I guess we're going to see where things are going to go. Uh, so coming up, we're going to have our, uh, our 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 questionnaire. But first, we're going to take a quick break, and uh, we'll be right back. Welcome back to Man Coverage. Uh, today we're talking with Dan Miller, uh, the voice of the Detroit Lions. We are just about to round up our podcast for today. We're going to go into our questionnaire. Now, these are some questions that I've devised. There are 10 questions. Every guest is going to hear the same questions. Some are football related. Some aren't. Uh, I think we could get some interesting answers here. So, Dan, if you're ready... I think I'm ready. I don't know yet. <laughs> All right. So our first question, what are you watching right now? TV what wise. What, what I just finished. I'm a little bit behind. I, I just finished season one of the boys and season two just came out. So I'm watching that on Amazon. Uh, my wife got me into it. It's, it's been great. Um, I love that. And I just wrapped up the third time of watching Mad Men. So those have kind of been my uh, probably most recently the things that I've been watching. I still got to go on my first time watching Mad Men. I don't. I, I've been putting this it one gets, off, and I don't know why. Honest to goodness, it gets better every time. It okay. really does. I, I I watched it a second time, and then I blew through it a third time. I just just a fantastic show. Did you know that uh, managing editor, Pride of Detroit managing editor editor Jerry Jeremy Reisman was on an episode of Mad Men? 
I did not know that. Uh, yeah, I think I, I think I saw him in one of those uh, teen shows or something. I think I saw a <laughs> shot of him on one of those, but I did not know he was in Mad Men. Yes, he's in, a, in an episode where they're at a Rolling Stones concert uh, and they're backstage and you could see Jeremy I walking did, around. I believe I did know that. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Yeah, yeah. I, I remember that. They were trying to get them for a commercial or something. Things didn't go well. I do remember that. It's his claim to fame. Yeah. All right. Who, who's your favorite football player ever? Do you have one? Oh, gosh, that's a tough one. Um, I don't know if I have a favorite ever. Um, you know, my favorite growing up was Sonny Jurgensen. Um, he, he was my guy. And then getting to work with him later was a really cool thing. You know, since, since coming to Detroit, um, the ability, I think to, when you, when you can call every one of Matthew Stafford's and, and Calvin Johnson's games, I mean, that, that really means something to me. Um, and I, and I just have so much respect for those guys as people, um, they would rank right up there at the top. Um, so I, I would probably put those guys there um, as being my favorite. I was a huge, for no particular reason, huge Eric Dickerson fan as well in the 80s. Just loved watching him play. Uh, would would always play um, 29 and roulette. Um, so, and it was for that reason. So I, that, those are probably guys that stick out. Um, there's other guys that I like for for different reasons. But I don't know if I have that overall, you know, this is my guy. I have to collect everything type of player in football. Um, it seems like there's a lot of guys that might fit into different slots for for reasons I like them. But, you know, when you're growing up, I think there's there's those guys that stick with you. For me, it was Sonny. It was Larry Brown. It was Charlie Taylor. Um, guys like that, that, you know, when you're 9, 10, 11 years old, those are the guys that are, you know, introducing you to the sport and the guys that kind of stick with you forever. All right. This next question. This is going to be a hard one, Dan. This is going to be real, real hard. Uh, Backstreet Boys are in sync. Uh, probably Backstreet Boys because they all sing. I'd say I'd say probably Backstreet Boys. <laughs> Um, okay, and and I went through that with daughters. I, I went through all that stuff. I li- <laughs> I listened to all that stuff. I've seen them both. Uh, they're both they're both fantastic. Um, they're both just they put on a great show. I got in, I got total respect for them. Um, but probably I'd say Backstreet Boys because they all sing. All right. <laughs> uh, now I think I know the answer to this next one: dogs or cats? You know, dogs. But I have because of my wife become a big cat guy. And then we always have, she fosters cats. So at any time we have cats running around and we've had as many as six of our cats in the house where, you know, one went with my son, one, my, my daughter um, just got a new cat. So we're, we're definitely into the cat family, but I'm more of a dog guy, but it's, it's closer than I ever thought it would be. <laughs> Yes, I have that same uh, affliction as well. Uh, what's your favorite movie? Couple of them. Um, there you go. You ready? Can you see that? Oh, okay, Saturday Night Fever. All right. That's one. That's one. That's uh, that's why my son's name is Tony. Uh, I knew. After seeing that movie, my first son would be named Tony. Okay. And thank goodness I married an Italian woman who said that's perfect. Um, and so that's one. Uh, Boogie Nights, the right stuff. I would say probably those, those three movies, Saturday Night Fever, Boogie Nights, the right stuff. Probably all those three for me. Okay. Uh, all right, so you got two minutes left in a football game. What play are you going to run to win the game? Where am I? Uh, okay, well, I'm going to put you on the 20. Their 20. On uh, their 20, wow. Uh, 
Whatever play Matthew Stafford ran to get them into field goal range against Minnesota, whatever they put in that week and ran that play to get them in, I think it was a little in route uh, that got him into field goal range. Um, it would depend on who my quarterback is, who my, who my receivers are, you know, what's their, what's their talent, you know, what's their range. But, you know, you're looking for something, I think, at that point, if, if you have the time to clock it or you have a timeout, you know, probably trying to, to spread the defense out and find something down the middle where you can get a seam and maybe get somebody free in there. Um, get somebody, you know, between the levels of the defense or something like that, which is what they did on that play. Um, it's just something that, that would get me down the field. Because at that point, you need a chunk where you can get yourself into position to take a shot. Um, so that would probably be something that would get me down towards midfield or something where I could throw the ball up. Yeah, and with two minutes, it's not going to be nearly as risky as it was in Minnesota to throw right down the middle of the field with. Yeah, I mean, it's. <laughs> yeah, no, I think, you know, two minutes, I, I've got all the time in the world to run different plays. I mean, I yeah. can, you know, try to set something up with with a screen, see if I can pop that. There, there's any number of things that I can do in, in two minutes. Um, but again, it, it depends on on what my personnel is and 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 what. You know, if I got Calvin on the outside or, you know, do I have uh, Kittle on the inside? Who do I have? You've got uh, you've got Mike Fury and uh, <laughs> let's see who else was on that 08 team besides Calvin. <laughs> I got Furry and Calvin, huh? Well, I can get I can get Furry over the middle. <laughs> I know there's probably not going to be a ton of uh, Furry wasn't big on yards after the catch. He used to tell stories about that. But I, um, what do you say? Learn that from Tory Holder, Isaac Bruce, or one of the two. Get down quick. Um, then I, you know, something's going to Calvin at some point. I don't I care how many guys are on him. I'm throwing it, you know, 10 and a half, 11 feet in the air, and I'm going to let him go up and get it. Okay. <laughs> Fair enough. All right. If you could be a pro athlete, what sport would you play? Wow. Uh, probably, man, if, if, am I good? Yes. Yeah. You're, you're, you know, you're, you're, you're middling. You're, you're decent. You're okay. You're going to get a, a good contract. Probably golf. Okay. If, I'm, if I'm good, probably golf. I get to travel around the world, play the best courses in the world. If I, if I'm middle, I'm making millions. Uh, I get great sponsor deals. I'm going to win every once in a while. I can play into my 50s, have a renaissance at the age of 50 when I hit the Champions Tour. So probably golf. Okay. Uh, what are your go-to pizza toppings? Now, mind you, this could get very contentious if you say something like pineapple. No, I do I do like pineapple. I do like wow. pineapple with ham. I, I, I can eat a Hawaiian pizza anytime. Uh, but go-to for me would be pepperoni. Uh, okay. that's, that's go-to. Um, but I have no problem with, with Hawaiian pizza. I actually, I, I will order that sometimes if I go to CPK or something like that, I'll order Hawaiian pizza. I, I will, I had this, uh, argument with Freddie, the pizza man, and he, uh, he didn't like it very much, but he, he admitted, okay, <laughs> if it's what you like, we can do it. Yeah, that's actually one of the biggest bummers of not going to training camp this year is that I don't get to slide over to Freddie's and get a pizza. Yeah, he uh, threw a couple up on the online the other day. I told him he was killing me, man. They would look so good. Yeah, they're very, very good. Uh, Nike or Adidas? Adidas. Okay. And now, all right, this is it. This is the and final I'm, look, question. Look, I'm, I'm – we got there. Oh, you got the – okay, yeah. We got there. Oh, look at that. So I'm, 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 I'm so living what I say. So, yeah, no, I'm, yeah, no, I'm uh, – <laughs> I'm, I've become more Adidas over the years because I, 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 I play golf poorly and I, I like their golf stuff. So I've ended up with a lot of uh, Adidas stuff. So I'm, I'm definitely Adidas. I'm a Nike man, but Adidas is fine too. I've got, I've got a nice pair of Ultra Boosts over here in the room. Uh, all right, this is the final question. This is the big one, all right? This is what this whole show is really about. I, can, I made this podcast so that I could have this question and ask it to people. Are quarterback wins real? I don't know if that's a yes or no answer, but I do think when you look at the best quarterbacks, they've won. 
And I think you have to say that there is something to that. Now, I think Matthew Stafford's a terrific quarterback. Never given him a running game. And more often than not, except for 2014, which was probably the year they had their best shot, they haven't given him much of a defense to work with. So he's constantly had to play from behind. Um, look, I don't put everything on the quarterback. But if we're going to say you got to have one of those guys to win, and we know it's really hard to win unless you do, how do you say there's not something to it? In other words, I'm not saying it's, it's all Matthew if they don't win, or it's all Matthew if they do win. But I think that it's a nuanced argument and a nuanced discussion where if you look at the list of guys that have won, you know, big in this league, for the most part, they're pretty celebrated, really good quarterbacks. So um, it's tough to win a Super Bowl with a Trent Dilfer unless you have that Ravens defense. Right. I mean, it's um, – I mean, is a Patrick Mahomes factor real? I think it is. So I, I think you have to say it's part of the discussion. I don't think it's absolute. But I, I, I would argue that anybody who says, you know, oh, it's, it's not a real thing, it doesn't matter, don't – I don't buy that. I don't buy that. Okay, that's that's all fair. I, I'm I'm on the I'm on the side that uh, you know Matthew Stafford doesn't play defense. He doesn't play special teams. If he goes out and throws 500 yards and five touchdowns, I mean we've seen it happen in Green Bay in 2011. He had an amazing game, and they still lost. No, but how do you then? How do you then make a correlation between that, which is true? Is it fair to say that to be a complete team, unless you are overwhelming on defense, that you have to have a really good one to win? Can you say that? I, I think that I think that you have to have a complete team, and you, and the moment has to be right. You know, I look at the Eagles team from a couple of years ago; everything was just right at that time. Or the Giants team that beat the Patriots; they got yeah, and, right and Foles and Foles had. I mean, you know, Eli Manning's Eli Manning, but he's won a couple of them and he's made some really big plays along the way. Right. Um, I don't know. I just, I, I understand what you're saying, but I think there's different levels to it. I don't, I, I don't think you can put it this way. There's quarterbacks out there that start in the NFL that you're never winning anything with. So they have to be part of the complete team. I think it's the most important position in the NFL. So you have to have somebody at that position that plays at a high level. So how does that relate to the quarterback wins argument when you say, okay, it's not all on him. I can't make it about him, but I know I can't win without that guy. I know it's very difficult to have a Nick Foles run, that the stars have to align. And then more often than not, it's been Brady or Manning or, or one of those guys, or, or, you know, look at the quarterbacks that have won, you know, going back to the 90s from Aikman to Favre, the guys that have been there, they're Hall of Famers, they're there for a reason. Um, so I, I, I understand what you're saying. I just think the problem becomes when we try to make it a yes or no answer. I think yeah. the answer is you certainly can't blame or credit the quarterback 100%. But I think when you look at the level of quarterback that most of the time you have to have to win, I think it's it's pretty important to have that guy. I mean, look, there's a reason that Patrick Mahomes has been able to so quickly lift this team up. Um, is that quarterback wins? Yeah, well, I mean, are they, are, is that team winning <laughs> if Alex Smith is still their quarterback? Potentially. I mean, they were a playoff team previous to Mahomes taking over. Um, I think Mahomes obviously uh, elevates the team more because he's he's uber talented. Um, I think for me, we're, we're in, and not to take too much of your time up today on on Sunday, but uh, just just like one last thing here. To me, it's like I think where where it's a real sticking point for me is is you look at the Titans last year and Derrick Henry ran for like you know I don't remember the exact number 
200 some odd yards or something in their playoff game. And uh, Tannehill threw like 150 yards and a touchdown. And he got the credit for the win. And Derrick Henry didn't get anything. I mean, but, he got there's, but there's a cap. There's a cap to it, and I think probably I've gone down a different road than you've gone down. There's a cap to it. There's a point where you can't win with Tannehill throwing for 87 yards a game anymore. There's yeah. a point where you have to have a quarterback that that plays that position better. To to Foles' credit, Foles played unbelievable. You know, if we want to take Foles and look at him and the way that he played, he played at that level that a quarterback has to play to win. Um, so again, I think it's, I think probably there's, we're, we're almost arguing two different things. Um, I, again, I don't think it's absolute. I don't think you, you, you absolutely blame quarterbacks. All I guess I would say is there has to be space in that argument to say it's really tough historically to win unless you have a guy at that position that is either, uh, you know, a number one true terrific player or one playing like one. All right. I, I, I agree with you. Um, and, uh, I appreciate you coming on today and having that discussion with me. And, uh, I think this overall turned out pretty good for our first episode. Mike, I I enjoyed it, man. I, I enjoyed it. I wish you the best of luck with this. Yeah. Thank you. Thank you. Do you have anything coming up you'd like to plug or? Game one against the Bears will be on Lions Radio. I'm looking forward to it. So we got uh, we're doing that, and um, just really excited about getting the season started and getting back inside Ford Field. I'm I'm really looking forward to that. I've, I've missed the preseason games. And I'm ready to roll. Amen to that. Amen to that. Well, thanks again, Dan, for coming on, and uh, thank you for everybody who listened today. to do's, less time, and an infinite number of tools to keep track of. Sometimes doing business has never felt harder, but you don't need a miracle to hit your goals. You can just use HubSpot because their all-in-one customer platform can make growing your business infinitely easier. Imagine this, high quality leads, fast closing deals, wildly happy customers, and more benchmark breaking quarters. It's not a miracle, it's HubSpot. Visit HubSpot.com to get started today.